You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm your host, Barbara McGinnis. I'm a partner and certified elder law attorney at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we're talking about end-of-life planning. Joining us for today's conversation is Randy Nash. Randy is a licensed funeral home director and owner of Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Welcome, Randy. Thank you for having me, Barbara. So let's just get to the meat of it. How much does a typical funeral cost? <laughs> just jump right so, in. <clears throat> so, you know, the national average on a, a, I would say for a funeral, we're saying a funeral with casket services, things like that, is probably, begin, I'm going to say in the ballpark of nationally eight to $10,000. Um, generally, it's going to, depend on the the market that you live in, the area you live, uh, the funeral home. There's several different factors, but that's going to be an average. And as far as cremation is concerned, I'm going to say an average of probably, and this is a bigger average, between, I don't know, two to 4,000, something like that. Um, the, 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 the National Funeral Records Association does studies on this yearly, and the newest one has not come out yet, um, but the you know every every year they they study they do a study amongst their, at least their members, which not all not every funeral home is a member of their association, and okay. not every member turns in you know returns that survey or fills out that survey, but that's how they come with the come up with those that pricing. Okay, but it's not uncommon for me to hear much higher prices among uh, the families that come in to see us. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I. You know, I'd say $10,000 is kind of a minimum price that I tell people to expect. Maybe it's just because people, you know, pick out more stuff, right? I mean, you can always run it up. Sure, sure, you can. And and you also, you know, a lot of people, when they they are buying, when they're purchasing funeral services and, and merchandise, are also... Um, purchasing cemetery spaces, uh, opening and closings of the grave, the headstone or the marker uh, for the grave for the grave space as well. So, oh, and those, and those things That's can get pretty costly. Why. Yeah, so, um, but it just it honestly just depends on the on the funeral home as far as pricing. You know, I know that we you know and, and we serve family. We have a funeral home in Galton and Hendersonville, and and our prices are are different than our competitors. Just it's it's and then. I guess in some places, you know, it's, it's pretty neck and neck, but, but in our market, it seems to be a little different because we have um, some of our other funeral homes are owned by corporations, and sometimes those corporations' prices tend to be higher than your family-owned or smaller funeral homes. Oh, but what you said makes perfect sense, it, you know, because it doesn't do any, I mean, doesn't make sense to pay for the funeral and not buy the plot, so it's probably that total cost. Right that what I'm hearing from from families. Well, all right, so 
Uh, I like the idea of pre-planning. I know I, pre-planning your funeral is not a fun thing to think about, but I know as a child of parents who've both passed away, I really appreciated that they took the time to pre-plan and pre-pay for their funeral. So what does that look like? What all does that mean? So pre-planning and preparing you know, your arrangements can look like a lot of different things. It, you know, it, it's, I call it per- putting a permanent plan in place. And it is where you're coming into, you select a funeral home. You know, most people have, when they do their pre-planning, if it's not somebody that knows a funeral home personally or has dealt with one in the past, they usually um, have talked to more than one funeral home. And then they select the funeral home based on, you know, uh, whatever their parameters they've set out that they want to select one from and then uh, you meet with you know either a funeral director or an advanced planning specialist um in our case uh joy donna witt which you you know she's our our funeral director she handles all the pre-planning for for our funeral homes and then um she's gonna they're gonna gather information from you that we would need to have you know on file for information for death certificate the obituary what you want as far as your service um you know down to details as far as music and speakers we have families that sometimes will even bring us discs with photographs on it. You know, years ago, uh, the first funeral home that I worked at when I was 14, uh, we had closets and wardrobes full of clothes. People would bring us their clothes and we would wrap them in plastic and put their names on them. And their clothes would already be there on hand for when they passed away. I mean, we had tons of people that did that. Um, that's not as common anymore, but I think there's other, I'm sure there's other funeral homes that did that as well. Um, and also the other part of it is not just the planning part of it, but the, the financial part of it. And when you, I would, and I'm going to say, I'm going to use our funeral home as an example. Most funeral homes do this, but not everyone does this, that we guarantee the price of the services and the merchandise. So when I say services, I mean on the, on a traditional funeral side, like a, for a burial, you have services of the funeral director and the staff the visitation, the service, embalming, preparation, use of our facilities, vehicles, things like that. Then you have the casket, the outer container or the burial vault, um, things like your stationary package, which is your register book, uh, programs or memorial folders, uh, video tribute, those things. We control the price of those things. So we guarantee the price of that. So when you pay for those items, we guarantee it in perpetuity, meaning that it doesn't matter if you pass away in one year or 50 years, your family is not going to pay more for those items. The second part of it that you can pay for are what we call a non-guaranteed item, which are prices we don't control the price of, like uh, obituaries, death certificates, sales tax, flowers, opening and closing of graves, things that we, that we get from a third party. You can still set money aside for those but we don't guarantee the price of that. So there's at the time of death, there is a possibility that the family could have to pay a little bit. Um, but there's also situations where, uh, you know, those, those arrangements, they grow interest to cover inflation and there could be money left over where the family gets a little bit back. That does happen from time to time. And uh, that can be done for, for cremation or for burial as far as the price, the guaranteed pricing. And a lot of families choose to do that just because of that, that, that it, it locks that price in and it's done. You know, your family literally makes a few phone calls and we put the plan into place. 
Um, one, sometimes I hear, well, it's a concern. It's, it's not an objection. Um, a lot of times I'm asked the question, if I pre-plan and pre-pay for my funeral, but move about transferring those dollars, so the, the pre-arrangement belongs to the individual. It belongs to the to the individual. It doesn't belong to the funeral home. Okay. The arrangement is more than likely, or it will be irrevocably assigned to the funeral home through the through whatever avenue they fund it, whether it's through insurance or an annuity or through a trust, which I can explain that more in detail if we need to. But it belongs to you. So if, let's say that you do a pre-arrangement with us and you retire and you move to Florida and you say, you know, I'm not going back to Tennessee. I'm going to pass away here. You take those arrangements to a funeral home in Florida, show them what you have. Now keep in mind, the prices are guaranteed for the place that you did them with, that you made those right. arrangements with. So there could be a chance you may have to pay a little bit more or something like that. And a lot of times when the families move away, we generally will help them assist them in trying to find a funeral home that will honor their arrangements as they're written. And most funeral homes will do that. You know, we, we will accept a funeral home, a transfer of arrangements from any other funeral home. Um, and we have people that do that every day. So um, it belongs to you. It's transferable, it's portable, and it can be taken anywhere. Okay. So that's essentially, it shouldn't be, uh, a bi- it's not a barrier. It shouldn't be an objection or a concern. You just there's just steps to go through that, that if you decide if you move and relocate and you and you're going to be your funeral is going to be in another location, it can be moved. It it can go with you. Correct. It's, it's not like Correct. it's just lost. All right. That's right. Great. That's exactly. Um. So, what are your thoughts about picking burial plots? That's harder to transfer, right? <laughs> That's a little harder to transfer. Um, you know, uh, there are some, um, there is an, uh, some, there are some cemeteries that are members of different associations that they're not, um, they may be owned by different companies, but they're members of certain uh, professional associations and they have a, a transfer program where they can transfer some of the funds. Um, and then sometimes you'll have cemeteries that are owned by the same corporation or the same company. That That is a situation, too, where you can maybe transfer between the cemeteries. But that, that is definitely a little tougher situation. Uh, it's not as common to transfer burial spaces as it is to transfer funeral arrangements. Yeah. And then a lot of people, will, if they move somewhere else, will come back to the meet may come back to where they have their spaces and you know, we transfer people back. We have a man today that two of our staff this morning left at 6 a.m. to take him to Arkansas where he'll be buried. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, there's those, those situations too, but the, um, the transfer of the burial spaces can definitely get a little tricky. Well, it, it, you're buying a piece of real estate when you buy your burial plot. And so I, I'll just well, you're tell buying, you. So what, you're, you're buying the, the rights to, to that space. And, and it's really hard to resell it, though. It is. It can be, yeah. Because the cemetery, obviously, they're, they're, that's what they, that's how they make their living. That's how they run their business. So they're not going to buy them back from you. Right. Uh, but we, ha- I have, wow, maybe four or five families right now that have given us that information where they have burial spaces that they want to sell. Now, one of mm-hmm. those families was pretty lucky and sold them pretty quick. 
um, just in the last few weeks. But um, it can be difficult, but it also mm-hmm. can be advantageous for the person that's looking for to buy some burial spaces in a you know in a cemetery. They could get a better price on them because the family may have bought them years ago, and they don't want you know they're not trying to sell them at the full retail today. So, you know, I, I know that I had a, an individual that I know here in town that um, had some mausoleum spaces at one of the cemeteries here in Gallatin, and he called me and asked me, uh, told me where they were and everything. Well, I realized that they were right next to my mother-in-law's parents, and so I called my father-in-law and I said, I'm "Not trying to wish you." <laughs> ill will or anything, but this guy's got these spaces and it's, it's a really good deal because today's price is like $18,000 and he got them for a lot less than that. And yeah. so there's those situations where it can be advantageous. So I, I would almost tell people that, you know, to, to give us a call and say, Hey, you know, um, we're looking at this cemetery. Do you know anybody who wants to sell spaces because it could work out for them? Okay. So uh, um, and then I actually I think, was, was thinking about this today about putting a post on social media that we have some families and that were wanting to sell some spaces because it, we're, you know, um, we always obviously want to assist them if we can and it, you know, can work out for another family that's looking for something. Yeah. And, you know, I think what, what I've seen happen a lot is, you know, so a, a married couple buys their plots and, uh, you know, pre-planning they buy their plots and they buy plots for all their children and then Mm -hmm. the children grow up to be adults and may or may not want to be buried there because they're probably going to be you know they have a new not a new family but they get married and have their own children and and they want to be buried with their spouse or something anyway so parents that buy plots for their children that's where the families often wind up with extra plots to, to sell because they're not planning on using them that way. Um, right. Yeah. So, oh. And that, that, and that comes up a lot. And I always tell families that, you know, if you want to try to sell them, sell them. But if not, keep them. You know, there may be, and I'm not saying this is what everybody should do, but I do have, I have had families in the past that have had an extra space or something like that. And they, you know, they've had a family in their church, somebody that they know that has someone pass away that can't afford it or needs it, then they can, you know, donate kind of it. Donate that, you know, bless them with that that donation, which sometimes is just, you know, obviously people are very thankful when that, that happens. Um, so, you know, there's always, there's always something that could come up, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have to sell them at a, at a huge discount. You may be able to, to do other things with it. All right. So what if, what if you, you really want, someone you're you want your fan your parents to pre-plan but they mm-hmm. any tips on talking or encouraging your uh, someone to do that <laughs> you know i'm not going to say that i have any tips on how to talk to someone about that you know i'm because i'm not you know i think that uh, you know as a child talking to a parent the one thing is the peace of mind. And, you know, if there's, you know, like I, I know my parents don't have prearrangements, but I know what they want. Uh, my dad just told me the other day that him and my mom are going to come in and, and they want to come in and plan all their stuff out and, and get that done. So it's done. And um, you know, my brother and I would probably not have any disagreements, but you have families that could have disagreements and things like that. And so when you can mm-hmm. put that, put that pen to paper 
and put that plan in, in place, like I talked about earlier, it's a yeah. peace of mind for the for the parent knowing that when they pass away, their wishes are going to be followed. That's peace of mind for the children to know that, you know, mom and dad did this and there's, you know, this is what they wanted and we're going to honor their wishes. And that's also where, and, and this is your, this is your department, but that's also where things like, you know, wills and powers of attorney and those things come into play. So they know that, you know, their wishes will be followed and who's going to make those final decisions for them is going to do what they want done. Yeah, I think it's so important. Uh for one thing, I, I tend to be a control freak, so and people that know me know <laughs> me that. Too. So I would <laughs> like to to pre plan for myself because I, I just want to know it's going to be done the way I want it. Um, but I was an only child, so I didn't have to. I mean, I'm, I was grateful my parents pre-planned, but it wasn't like I was going to be in any disagreement with anybody. But that's the other thing I tell people about uh, talking about not just end of life as in the end of life, the, f- the funeral part, having it done the way you want to. We talk about that end of life as in disability, impairment, how do you want to be taken care of, Being having those kind of conversations. What are things that you're willing to live with and live without in terms of physical or cognitive condition? How do you want to be taken care of? Make it all of those conversations are so, so important. And if, if you're wanting to make sure you've got all your ducks in a row, you really do need to go ahead and include this type of pre-planning in your life as well. So how do you communicate these plans with your family so they know where to go and how to access the information? So when we, when we do these ranches with families, um, whatever they do with us, they get a, a folder with copies of everything they did with us. Um, we normally advise them to put that in a safe place, but to let their family know where it's at. And that way, uh, you know, and, and obviously the, all they do is, you know, if something was to happen, a phone call to us is, we're, we're one of the, I'm not going to say we're one of the few businesses, but our, our, our business heavily relies on the telephone because that's how we receive notifications of people passing 99 times out of 100. Um, and they call us, we pull those, we pull that file and we start those arrangements for them. You know, we know that if it's a cremation, certain things take place. If we know if there's going to be a burial, you know, there's questions we need to ask and verify a couple of things. And, and really, at the end of the day, when that plan is done and it's done properly, when the fam- when you know the, the children or the spouse or whoever is surviving is going to have to come in to do a couple of pieces of paperwork with us, but a pretty minimal amount. You know, we're going to set times for services. We're going to sign a couple of documents. We're going to verify information for the death certificate, the obituary, and instead of being a two to three hour conference, it could be half hour or an hour and it's more time they can spend with their family and doing other things that are going to have to be done, you know, to, to have those services and things. And, 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 um, well, I actually have had some families ask for this. My, my business partner, Nathaniel, I were talking the other day about having some cards made. People can have on their person that says, you know, in the event of my passing call, you know, some of their funeral cremation. It says I've they made pre-arrangements with us. You know, there, there's some funeral homes I know that do that. And, uh, yeah, that's a good that's idea. That's actually something like that the, we've started. Yeah, it's like the organ donation cards. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Similar, similar, similar thought. So, um, um, cause you, I can't tell you how many times we get people calling our funeral home a while. My mom and dad's, my mom's about to pass away and she says she has a range somewhere. We can't figure it out. And they'll start calling funeral homes and they don't know where to call. But if they had that on their person or somewhere in their house or wherever, um, yeah, they would know. Well, what, how, what kind of age range should, um, a person start thinking about this? I have seen people as young as their early twenties do this. Um, I've seen people of all ages, all backgrounds. Um, you know, I don't really think that there is a prime age. I think that when people start thinking about social security and retirement and things like that, this is mm-hmm. definitely something they need to start thinking about. Um, they need to have several different affairs in order and at least having the conversation with, with a professional to, to get some advice on, you know, the, their best options. Yeah. I thank you so much for your knowledge and sharing uh, your time with us this afternoon. That's it for today's episode. Take Us McGinnis Elder Care Law is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.